This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. Hey everyone, I'm Nate from the Full Mutuality Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into this show. We're so grateful that you've decided to spend your time with us. Seriously, Dan, Gail, Jessica, Kathleen, Scott, and the rest of us here at the Dauntless Media Collective couldn't produce content like the show you're listening to without your support. I'd also like to invite you even further into the conversation. Right now, there are some great discussions happening over in the Dauntless Media Collective Discord server. If you're interested in chatting with other folks who are deconstructing and decolonizing the oppressive traditions that they came from, please feel free to hop on into the server. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a place where communities can gather online for chatting on a wide variety of topics. In our Discord server, we have channels devoted to general deconstruction conversations, some meme sharing, therapeutic venting about whatever religious bullshit you're currently dealing with, and even a channel specifically devoted to talking about the latest episodes of the podcast you're listening to right now. I hope you'll join us. You can log in directly to the Dauntless server by clicking the link in the show notes or heading to dauntless.fm and clicking the link in the top banner. See you there. All right. Okay. Welcome to the Thereafter Podcast, a place where we explore life on the other side of faith change. We're here to break down the binaries, deconstruct the dualities, and wander through what it looks like to live in the gray. In church, we were told that life after leaving would be a bitter wasteland of unfulfilling hedonism, but we've discovered quite the opposite. There's actually a vibrant community of people on the other side of faith who are finding and co-creating space for hope and healing. Come along as we explore the all too often uncharted expanse of evangelicalism, evolving faith, and the life thereafter. Hey, hey. Hello, another episode of the Thereafter Podcast. Oh, look at you and your, like, professional radio voice. I love it. <laughs> Um, hey, what's been going on? Give us an update. Yeah, life has been uh, lifing. It's, uh, uh, I had surgery on my eyelid, had some cancer removed on last Thursday, um, and I have been recovering since then. My eye is currently not quite all the way open. I look like uh, I got punched <laughs> by my doctor. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm healing up and, uh, cancer free and, uh, feeling good. And so, yeah, I've been overwhelmed by messages and love and support and, uh, it's been so good. I have not gotten back with everybody. Um, but, um, very grateful for all the love and support that I've had the last week. Thank you for your updates, and and I know you had some Instagram posts and gave some updates there, but um, we won't spend a long time. We're we'll jump into this interview. We have Will Thorpe back as a guest, um, but before we jump into that, I just want to give a quick plug for the event that is live and accepting registrations now. So. We have our event coming up in February, February 17th, 18th, called Content Warning. And check it out, contentwarningevent.com. Yeah, it's it's incredible. There's a few collaborators that haven't submitted their headshots and bios, Cortland, (laughs) (laughs) that aren't on the website. So (laughs) spoiler uh, alert, you'll be there. (laughs) Um, But we, our podcast um, has collaborated with Go Home Bible You're Drunk to put on this event, and um, we're super pumped. And if you um, dig into the episode, Will does a tarot reading for us about, about the, the event. event at, at the very end. So stick around till the very end. Yeah, but um, we would love to see you there. And and also, I just want to emphasize that this, yes, is has a topic and is about moving that conversation forward on sex and sexuality, but it's also about community building. And if you're somebody that's like, I would love to go and just connect with people, just come and connect with people because we want to connect with you. That's something we love to do. So yeah, there's um, going to be so much space to just come and hang out and meet people and build relationships. Um, I still have so many beautiful friendships that started from our meetup that we did in Portland a year and a half ago, two years ago. And so, um, 
so excited for all the relationships and all the people who are going to meet and form friendships through this event Um, because that's a huge part of why we do everything we do. Yeah, Um, but let's we're just going to get right into the interview today because let you rest and continue to heal and um, also share our beautiful guest with everyone. So let's jump into it. This is Will Thorpe. All right, we're back. We're back. Yes, and we have a return guest. I'm so excited because, A, I love Will Thorpe, and B, I was not the host, the co-host of Their After Podcast when you were on before. Welcome, Will. Say hello. Hello. Oh, it's so great (laughs) to have you back. It's good to be back. Yeah, one, I do love having return guests. That's always super fun. And two, I know Megan, you know, all the guests that the few guests that we had on the show before Megan joined as co-host, she's always like, oh, man, I never got I didn't get to be on that episode. So it's cool when we get to revisit. I also like how I said A and B and then you said one and two, which Mm -hmm. maybe says something about our personalities. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But Will, one of the things. So if if folks are not familiar with your story, um, you you tell your story beautifully in that episode on the first season of Thereafter. Um, But we wanted to have you back because there's just a couple things that. I was like, let's let's explore further because you and I talk a lot. We met in Clubhouse, and mm-hmm. um, and your story is still changing, and and I just love seeing your posts. And so I would love for you, maybe, can you just give like a snapshot for our listeners that ha- may not be familiar with your work, and just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, how you s- came to start your heretical theology account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure, it'd be great. Um, so super long story short, uh, former, uh, cult member, ex-evangelical member, um, turned more extreme, or not extreme, uh, more mainstream Protestant Christian, uh, was for me trained to be a pastor after 20 years, led hundreds of people to Christ, uh, mostly youth, uh, very radical for my faith, all, all that fun stuff. And just as much as is classically known amongst the deconstruction world, I began to have a few questions, uh, and I believe my faith. Um, I basically left the church, uh, because I felt like the church had abandoned Christ. And then I basically felt like Christ had abandoned me and that Christ may not have ever been a thing to begin with. And I know Christ is a very loaded term. Uh, but basically my understanding of Jesus essentially, I realized could not, there, there was, no reason to actually believe that Jesus was who he is going to be in the Bible. Um, that was in October of 2019. And I have since the, I, I quickly became an atheist after that. Uh, I spent the next three and a half, I guess we, yeah, three and a half years uh, working on my deconstruction account, heretical theology on Instagram. And up until about uh, six months ago, my, my content has since changed to be more about things that I care more about personally, not that I don't care about um, talking about the Bible and theology and things like that as a kind of as a counter apologist. Um, but it was just not great for my mental health. Um, I still revisit the, that stuff sometimes on my account, but mostly it's, I have turned into a personal account. And I talk more about my secular spirituality, as I call it now, and it's been a, a a fun downhill road since then, for, as far as social media goes. But uh, it's been fulfilling nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. It's it. it when would you say? Like, <clears throat> when did you start the heretical theology account? That Instagram account. So I started it when technically when I was still a Christian. Okay. Uh, I had a different name for it then. Uh, I don't remember what the old name was. Um to be honest, because <clears throat> I, I was creating uh, Bible posts on a daily basis and like basically Bible devos and throughout 2019. And you can actually see my deconstruction and in, in real time, like day by day by day by day. And um, so I started then. Uh, I think that's when I, after I, I left Christianity, that's when I think I changed the name to Heretical Theology. And um, originally I had the mindset of kind of like Bart Ehrman, doing what Bart Ehrman does and as essentially like, you know, 
having scholarly posts geared towards the secular community. And that didn't really fly very well on Instagram, but that's when I found the deconstruction community and they, they all really seemed to love the content. And that's kind of when I, I don't want to say exploded, but that's when it got more popular. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think that that's one of the coolest things about like, since I have uh, followed your work is getting to see you kind of like, you've always been really transparent about like showing like, mm -hmm. Oh, this was something I posted on Facebook two years ago, or, you know, mm -hmm. these are things that I've learned since this point in time, which really dispels, I think what can oftentimes be this pressure for people creating in this space to like have arrived or not be mm -hmm. changing in the midst of, um, you know, there, there seems to be sometimes this pressure of like, you need to have landed somewhere solid so that people, you know, know where you are at. And you've always been just like very publicly learning. And yeah. I think that that's a really cool element to the work that you've done with heretical theology and just who you are as a person. Excellent. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's, it's all very fluid. Um, I'm not the same person that all I was six months ago. I'm not at all the same person that I was, you know, certainly five years ago. And I'm not going to be the same person a year from now. I'm not for sure. Definitely. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to have a conversation with you about, too, is um, when we first met, we met in Clubhouse, and it was in kind of a progressive Christian space. And, yeah. and you were you were, had your atheist perspective that you brought in. And I will say, I don't know if we even always agreed on things at the time, but you were so... Um, it, it was never like combative, like we would have conversations and they would always be really friendly conversations. And, and since then, my kind of, I don't know, faith has changed and I don't, I no longer identify as a progressive Christian and I kind of relate more like agnostically, mm -hmm. I, I don't even know, right? And so yeah. I, I can't fit into a box. And, and so, and I don't think any of us can, but I'm curious because I see in deconstruction, some people kind of gravitate towards progressive theology initially. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you right away were like, no, that's not for me. I, you know, and, and right away just kind of started really, um, kind of forming your, the way that you looked at the world and your perspective and, and, and posting about it. And I learned a lot from a lot of your posts and I'm curious kind of what that looked like for you because it feels like it, it's a little bit different than, I mean, everybody's journey is different. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think Cortland's is probably more similar to yours too, oh, yeah. but I'm I, just curious. I very much agree with yeah. what you're saying, Megan. And it is, it was super comforting because I was like, I was an atheist first and then started deconstructing. I didn't like kind of deconstruct into atheism. I was like done with God and then was like, well, let's take a look at this stuff. Um, but I was kind of done with God from the beginning. And that isn't the pattern that I typically see in other places. And it can sometimes feel yeah. kind of othering to feel like you had, I had that experience. Well, and you, and I, I, I want to let you answer, but I also, <laughs> you, you would push back sometimes on some of the progressive theology because you, you were like, wait a second. Like, I see some holes in this. And I would be like, oh, there are holes in that, you know? So I'm just curious. Give us a little oh, bit of no. context or kind of like where you're at. I mean, for, for I was in a very, I, I want to call it literalist mindset. Um, that That is like a, it was like, how do I, how do I want to say this? I think that is one of the one of the more subtle things that a lot of people who are especially from evangelical Christianity and conservative evangelical Christianity um, take over into their deconstruction that doesn't really get flushed out fully. It's easy to look at things in the. I have a point with this. I'm, I'm going to take a second to get there. Paul, I promise. Yeah, take all the time. But. You um, it's easy to look at the Gospels and see contradictions or to see claims made in the Bible and be like, okay, this is complete bullshit. We know that. It's okay. We, we, we're allowed to say that. You can still believe in things. But from a logical, reasonable, historical, scientific, anything scholarly perspective, aside from the realm of theology, this is nonsense. Um, and that was that's with that literalist perspective. And so I can I can look at some of the things that progressive theology takes, and be like I can see benefits for. I guess I would consider liberation theology to be an aspect of progressive theology. So when I talk with a lot of Black Christians, 
while the Christopher Hitchens inside of me wants to say, dude or girl, you're literally following the same ideology that put your ancestors in, you know, into slavery. For them, however, it's a little bit different. And I can at least respect that. And they're like, well, that may have been the case for them and for their ancestors. For them, they still find a significant amount of hope through that idea. And that's why I'm like, cool. If that's, if that's what you have, then that's great. But that's a non-literalist mindset. Um, and so they're not taking theology and harmful ideologies and applying it to uh, basically forcing other people to believe or think other people should believe it. So when it comes to progressive theology, it I looked at it as to be less harmful than conservative evangelical, for example, but still I, I just didn't see a point, at least not for me. Uh, especially being, you know, at the time, cishet, uh, you know, white even, evangelical dude, like this this is, I'm, I'm washing my hands of it. I'm, I'm going to be Pontius Pilate and say, y'all do whatever the hell you want. I need evidence. I need logic. I need reason. And that's how I applied, uh, you know, my, my logic to theology over that last several years. I was very skeptical. I was very analytical, just having a very literalist mindset being applied to my theology. Uh, and I call it heretical theology because I still talk about theology. It's just obviously very heretical because I'm an atheist. Um, and I especially was then too. Um, but the problem that I think a lot of atheists and skeptics run into, especially coming out of a spiritual background, is that literalist only thinking. And that can get into... I don't, I don't want to say a harmful ideology, but it can definitely cause people to not see a bigger scope of, of what I would consider um, nuanced thinking. And that's kind of where I've arrived at now to where I still think there's a lot of aspects of progressive Christianity that is indeed still bullshit. Um, but I'm also kind of like, well, cool, if it helps you, then fantastic. Um, I think there are better ways, but... You know, you got to do what you got to do to make yourself happy. And that's kind of where I, I lean into the quote-unquote magic uh, thinking, which a lot of skeptics like to use as a slur. Uh, but as a secular witch now, I will, um, I kind of embrace that. Yes, I love all of this. And and I think that that embracing has been what's made me feel so comfortable in the conversations that we had even back when I was very fiercely progressive Christian. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, even fast forward, um, I would love to ask about some of the shifts that have happened for you in the last little bit. So, Oh, my you, God. It's, it's hard to keep up. Yeah. Go <laughs> for it. Yeah. Dude, just tell us, like, what's been going on? Oh, my goodness. Like, this, this last... What is it? It's now November. Okay, God. So this last 12 months, apparently, um, you know, I had serious anxiety, serious depression, uh, got on, started doing some therapy. I'm, I'm done with therapy for right now because uh, basically I'm just doing everything my – I was already doing everything my uh, therapist already asked me to do. Uh, got on meds. I finally got the VA to say, yep, you do indeed have BTSC. Sorry we misdiagnosed that 10 fucking years ago. <laughs> and then it took um, some panic attacks, anxiety attacks for it to actually show through. Uh, so taking meds, that's been super amazing and amazingly helpful for me. Um, my relationship with my wife has really blossomed in, in, in many ways. Um, not for everyone else to know about, but it's just to say it's been, it's been fantastic. Uh, our communication has always been stellar, but it has been even more amazing uh, this last year, I'll put it that way. And... You know, one of the things that I really started looking into was this this literal thinking. I realized that there was something about my Instagram content that was specifically spiking anxiety and frustrations within me. Now, granted, when you're on social media and you're on the internet a lot, like that alone is going to increase your anxiety and, you know, create FOMO and all the other bullshit. But I was creating an environment I don't want to say it was toxic, but it was just so fucking negative. And because I'm constantly critiquing things, I'm constantly uh, saying this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And I wasn't doing a very good job of trying to show what was right and what was good. And 
And I remember I had made several posts about being addicted to outrage. Like, oh, we just all want to see, hey, the fuck you Christianity post. And those are honestly some of the more popular posts. We like seeing that emotional uh, reaction that doping would get in our brain. Like, yes, I hit that like button, share that to all your friends. And that's what we like. And I didn't want to contribute that anymore. And so I, I started thinking about how I want to shift that. And that was when I got really into secular Buddhism. And so meditating, all that fun stuff, having some really freaking awesome experiences with meditation. Um, talking about like, I don't want to say out-of-body experiences, but just through being able to throw my consciousness up on my head uh, or outside of myself. Uh, I, I remember I was outside of patio one time. I was just meditating. I'm just looking at this lizard on, on one of the leaves on my aloe plants. And I felt like I was connected to that lizard. Like I, I, was that lizard looking back at me? And that was a great, just, just all sorts of uh, things like that. Um, and that kind of re- revealed to me that there is more to consciousness than what we give a lot, a lot of people, especially skeptics, have to give credit for. Uh, Sam Harris is very influential uh, with that, uh, with his meditation app. Haven't been completely pleased with some of the shit he's been saying lately, especially when it comes to Israel and Palestine, but whatever, it's neither here or there. But nevertheless, as a uh, spiritual, secular, spiritual guy and Buddhism, he's been very helpful for me. And uh, through that, I realized that I don't believe I have a self. Like, there is no me. Like, when you try to think about who you are, consciousness is just a constant experience. And when I try to figure out who I am as a person, that was when I really started questioning gender and who I really am. Like, what is gender? Like, seriously, what the fuck is gender? <laughs> okay, it's it's, it's it's just literally what people are telling us. It's it's literally just an experience from what they're telling us and how we are responding back to it because that's what consciousness is. And then when I look at who me, who I am, I'm realizing that I one gender, if it does exist, is fluid as fuck. And two, I sure as hell do not resonate with male uh, with a male identity. There are so many things about male identity that I find gross. There's so many things about the male identity that I just do not resonate with personally and don't resonate with uh, externally. But there's so many things with uh, with femininity that I really, really connect with. And so along with that and exploring that, I, I started looking more into the divine feminine. And that's when my wife and I both really got into witchcraft. <laughs> and that's... Nice. that's so I don't know if you want to take a pause there before we get into that, but that was a lot. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you want to break witchcraft. I, I, I want things, more. Yeah. Corlin, do you have a question before we? Yeah, no, no, I'm, hear more? I I will. I want to hear more. I think like people who know you, you are a you know a very built uh, person. You're very like. Yeah. So I think that there even more maybe was that narrative being put on you. I don't know if you feel like, like I've always felt very effeminate um, as a mm-hmm. person. And so like, I wonder how much, how freeing that has been for you or how much that experience for you as somebody who probably was perceived as hyper-masculine for a lot of mm-hmm. your life outside of your choice, really. And that, that narrative was kind of like put on you or created for you. And like, I just think that's interesting when you, when you talk about realizing that, I forget exactly how you said it, but basically like these things are being put on you um, Mm -hmm. or told to you and Mm -hmm. that they don't, you don't have to actually be that, or you may not actually be that. No, it's, that's all true. And it's, it's, you know, prior military. So military is still very heavily masculine, very, you know, obviously there's women in the military, thankfully. And, but it's, it's still a very, Raw <laughs> kind of environment, right? You know, and uh, you know, being in the evangelical church, like obviously, hey, that's a that's a huge thing. I'm in a lot. I'm in a lot of sports, and a lot of sports have very you know heavy masculine aspects to it. Um, but which is ironic because I'm in I'm in like I love playing soccer. Like soccer, you know, is not uh, it is what it is. I don't want to get too too deep into the weeds. But another thing I love doing is is running. You know, it's the, I, I like, I love weightlifting, but even then it's just like, it seems like these up until recently, a lot of these sporting events are very just like male dominated. Like you got a lot of, you know, 
toxic masculine egos in there. And I, I go to the gym and I see these guys and I do them like, like fist bumps, bro bumps, whatever. And I'm just like, whatever. I, I, I just want to go and, and get my workout done. And, and honestly, I resonate more with the, with the women who are, who are weightlifting. I'm not weird. Right? I just like, not, I'm staring at them or anything like that. It's just like, Oh, Hey, you know, like, wait, right. You rock on Jackie. You know, he is it's fantastic. I know. I, I love it. And I feel I feel their plights, which it's just like so fucking weird to me. Cause like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a 215 pound guy. Uh, you know, it's just, and I, I, I connect deeply with a lot of plights, a lot of women, uh, on all the, bu- the bullshit a lot of women have to go through, whether it be the gym or the workplace. Um, and you know it sucks, right? and I see it. I think a lot of men are not very self-aware of, of th- the things they're doing. I don't think they're, you know, aware of some of the things that they say and do are creepy as fuck, and that they need to, you know, just stop. Um, but yeah, that's that's one. Of, that was one of the things that was like really kind of clicking within me is that oh, I might not be the gender that I think I am. Um, and I, I kind of rejected the idea that I was under the trans umbrella, mostly because I don't have gender dysphoria. I don't not sure why, but I thought that that was like a prerequisite for being trans. And then I went to a uh, a DNI conference that my uh, company I work for sent me to because uh, I'm a I'm a DNI advocate, and and that was when some of the trans people were like, yeah, yeah, I don't have gender dysphoria. I just know that I'm not, you know, not binary. I'm like, oh. And that just like opened the floodgates to my thinking because I create these barriers that are just not necessary. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And then we went to the, the next day. There was a uh, a drag, um, uh, I don't want to say exhibit, the uh, lecture, and everyone was encouraged to dress in drag. And I'm like, well, I've never done that before, so let's let's give that a try. Holy fuck, that was awesome! Like I put on makeup for the first time. My uh, my wife and I bought some makeup. You know, we we practiced, and it was great. It looked horrible because <laughs> it was my first time doing it, despite her best attempts to help me. Uh, but it was it was very liberating. And typically, when I know that some I like something or I click with something, I just know, and. That that day, I realized I was not this. Yeah, I love this. I love all yeah. of this, and and just how liberating. Just hearing you talk about mm-hmm. it, I can see that. And I'm curious, um, what has that been like? Because I know you and I are Facebook friends, mm-hmm. and um, and you made you, you posted everywhere. You know, you you were the bold person who posts on Facebook. You know, and and I feel like Facebook's always this we all have connections to our past and mm-hmm. you never know, you know? And so I remember, um, there was somebody that had commented on your post where you were coming out as non-binary. And I was like kind of vicious in the comments because they were like, Oh, I still love you. And I'm like, what do you mean still? Or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. and, and you were you like, need to love them more. Yeah, God damn it. <laughs> your, your, like, your allyship, your allyship was that. so stellar. That, that was awesome. <laughs> I, I, it might have been a little strong because you were like, I, I know them. We have a relationship. It is OK. Um, but I'm, I'm also curious because I feel like especially and Cortland and I did an episode um, a while back about coming out later in life as bi. And I feel like there are people in our lives that we just aren't legible to anymore. And I just am, am wondering, has that been your experience coming out as non-binary? Do you feel like do you feel this pressure that you owe people a certain level of legibility? Like I, I, I'm going to come out and then also explain all of this to you if you don't know what, what's happening or do you just feel this freedom and it's great. What, how, what's it been like? So one, one thing that has been consistent with my personality type, whether I was a Christian atheist or wherever the hell I'm at now, it's, I'm all about like, I like the shock and awe. I, I don't, it's, I don't know if it's an ego thing. Like I just like, Oh, this is going to be interesting. Let's see what happens. And I just like drop a bomb. I'm like, Hey, here we go. This is it. 
and I don't really consider consequences of my actions very well. So, I mean, a lot of people are saying, like, you're bold. You're very courageous. I'm like, no, I just don't really think about the consequences until after they happen. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's kind of my, my, my go-to. It's, Relatable. You know, for, yeah, for, for the most part, it's worked out. <laughs> but, um, uh, but, no, it's – another aspect is – you know, when you're when you're evangelical, I don't know if this is a a, a personality thing that is attracted to evangelical evangelicalism, or if it's evangelicalism that that trains people to be this way. But there is this insatiable need for me, at least, and this is a weakness. It's not good to want to enforce or to in, influence the way I think onto others, and that's that's not good. That's that's incredibly toxic. Um. And so I'm trying to navigate that that urge, that that desire to want to share the way I think with other people. And to do that, I need to be willing to understand how they think too, because I think that's just you know tip for tap, right? And and so that's that's like a weakness, something I've not been working on. And I'm I just put information out there, and if people have questions, hey, cool, let's chat. And that's been what's been kind of interesting on my Instagram account. So I know for a fact that there's plenty of people on my Facebook account, which is mostly just personal friends and family, very, very small, only a few hundred people who are not excited about me being, you know, non-binary, if they even understand it. But for the most part, they're like, this is Will, he's fine, whatever. On my Instagram account, however... I've been I've been losing. I, I think I, I actually just checked just for this uh, podcast because I'm a metrics guy. I like I like numbers. I like stats. The last ninety days, I've wa- I've had nineteen hundred unfollows. Uh, wow. So, yeah. So now I am also have a pretty good background marketing how that all works. A lot of it's just because my brand has changed. Like I'm not posting the same content anymore. And that's what people were wanting. They were wanting the fuck Christianity stuff. They were wanting the in-depth Bible posts about this and that. And I wasn't doing it anymore. So I, I get it. But I, I can't help but to notice that whenever I would make a post talking about me being trans or, or being non-binary, the, the follower account would just, un- unfollower account would just skyrocket. Uh, people are like, I don't want to see this. I, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that because it's frustrating, you know, being loosely a humanist, um, although I'm starting to kind of drop that label now for, for various reasons. But the atheist and skeptical community still has a shit ton of work to do. Like, I get it if you don't want to see a person taking selfies and that makes you feel uncomfortable. Okay, because I was there at one point in time, and I eventually changed. Okay, I, I think we have this expectation that everyone should just be 100% accepting of everything all the time. And that would be wonderful, but the truth is, is that some people are just confused. Some people don't understand, and some people are still just working through stuff. And there's a lot of shit information out there, and I get it. Because, again, I was there. There was a point in time when trans people bothered the hell out of me, even as an atheist. I'm like, I don't understand. I do not know what's going on. And... For my mental health, I had to cut it out. And that's just, you know, simple truth. I'm sorry. So I was. Honestly, now I'm not that same person anymore. And I'd be able to lean into it. So going from a person with, you know, 22,000 followers down to almost less than 20,000 just within a matter of a few months, it hurts. But at the exact same time, I also realize that different people are in different stages in their life. And they need to do what they need to do to uh, figure this shit out. As much as I want them to uh, understand my way of thinking and what it means to be non- non-binary, I also can understand that sympathize like, hey, you got to do what you got to do. Um, kind of loosely related, there was actually a, 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 a lady who messaged me just a couple days ago. She's like, hey, I just want to say that I love your content. I'm unfollowing you, but it has nothing to do with, you know, your new stuff. It's just like, I just miss your old content. You're not posting anymore. So I'm just going to unfollow. I'm like, cool. I love that. She basically said, Hey, thank you for all the work that you've done for the last three and a half years. Uh, you're not posting that same content anymore. So I want to have a curated sort of feed. Totally love that. And now I, I, that's what my hope is that for most people unfollow me, but I know for a fact that's not the case. Yeah. See, I feel like you're being 
too generous. <laughs> yeah, but but that's just like because my the, there's this angry ranty part of me that is like, um, you you have and I know Cortland, you have a question, but you have been posting about queer allyship this whole time. It's so mm-hmm. like being a queer friendly uh, Instagram account and queer affirming Instagram account has never been hidden or a secret, and so it shocks me that people that interact with your content would now be like, eh, not for me. Because I feel mm-hmm. like that's never been a delineation. You, you've never been like, well, here's my content. And, you know, w- whatever you think about queer people, that that's up to you. you like, you've never, you've always made it clear that, that mm-hmm. that's something that you're all about. And Cortland, I'll let you ask, ask your question. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm always here for a good Megan rant. So, like, any anytime, uh, <laughs> I want to give space for that. I, I... I want to kind of go back to you talked about, you know, within the skeptic community and the atheist community, because I have I have gripes as well, um, just as somebody who who really wanted to identify in that community and then felt like mm-hmm. there was some lack of self-awareness in some of that mm-hmm. community that I found. Um, I remember if I could go back to like I remember watching you do a series of lives on kind of gender and queerness. This must have been like probably like two and a half, three years ago, right around the same time you were on thereafter. And I remember mm-hmm. you making a video talking about like, oh, okay, I, I was using some incorrect language and you were kind of like learning on the fly uh, mm-hmm. as you were making content. Uh, and that just stood out for me so much above other creators that fell into this kind of debunking or counter apologetics theme. Um, and I just like what, I guess how, 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 how have you been able to kind of cultivate or nurture that attitude while still doing counter apologetics and still you're, you're doing study and debunking. And, you know, like you said, sometimes you were, you know, rage, you know, rage content creating, mm-hmm. but yet you were still somehow self-aware. I, I just, I'm curious, like what were things that for you helped keep you grounded or keep, kept you moving in a direction of curiosity versus what I found from some other creators? Uh, well, I, it didn't actually work out because my anxiety and depression levels just kept on skyrocketing because I kept on trying to make that content you know, rage producing, as you call it, like that, that's a good term. Um, while also wanting, you know, people to, you know, have that nuanced thought. And, and so it's like, as much as I would like to create that, it, this, this is kind of how, how, how jacked up backwards sickness is. Let me create a nuanced post asking for people to be nuanced while tell them they're fucked up if they're not nuanced. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that doesn't. It's that's that's kind of like the catch twenty two, and and and, and I was self aware enough to 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 realize that, and and honestly, you know, it's like Noel had a lot of Christians tell me like you basically just sound like an evangelical atheist at this point, and I'm like, well, you're they're, they're probably not wrong, um, and and that to me is you know fairly telling. Is it's like again, am I trying to project? Am I, am I trying to toxically? try to force, manipulate, influence people to think just like I do. And the truth is, there is a part of me that honestly does want to do that, because honestly, I think a certain way for a reason. Uh, I, everyone thinks they're right in their own eyes. I think that's even a Bible verse, if I remember right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the exact same time, I want them to be able to think for themselves, but also think critically and think with nuance and to think, you know, with good logic, which can be subjective. Um, and so it just kind of got to the point where it's like, do, why do I give a shit what other people think? Like, seriously, why, why do I care? Uh, I do care about my followers. I do care about the people who I've interacted with and have helped. And there's been thousands of people. Like, it's been wonderful. Um, I've reached far more people on Instagram than I ever could, you know, at the mega church that I was being trying to be a pastor of. And that, made, that makes me super excited. And trying to balance that, that nuanced thought with the critical thinking, what it was a challenge. And, but 
letting go of it has honestly been one of the best things for me because now I'm just posting who I am. If I want to do a, a rage post about how, how jacked up Christianity is, then fine. I, I, I will do that when I think it's absolutely necessary. I did one about uh, Skillet's band, uh, band member, uh, John Cooper, for you know making fun of Derek Webb for wearing a dress as he's fucking wearing eyeliner. I'm like, really? And so, like, there, there'll, there'll be that, but you know, I want people to follow me for who I am. I want yeah. to follow people for who, who they are. And if people aren't there for that, then, then that's fine. Um, it does make me sad because, again, like, it is it is impossible for every single person who has left not to have left due to, I don't want to say transphobic, but just just being incredibly uncomfortable with the idea that someone that they follow for, you know, an X amount of time who was identifying as cis has now come out as non-binary. And I think that probably just hits a little bit too close to home for them. I guess one thing when you say you're an ally and that you support it, and then all of a sudden they are that thing. Because um, mm-hmm. I, when when I looked at myself with that much transparency and trying to figure who I am, maybe, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just like they just think it's gross or whatever. I don't, I don't really care what they think. Um, but I think there's a subconsciously a bit of part of them that they realize, oh, this could be me. Mm-hmm. And and they they might have really good reasoning for not wanting to think that because they may be in a horrible situation if they do come out as trans or if they even hint towards that, which is a legitimate thing. But also because they're afraid that they might be treated the way that they treat other trans people, if they actually even considered the idea of it. And when people are are afraid or unwilling to even consider such a thing like intently like do literal deep soul searching to figure out who they are then that's a problem i think i think that is being scared of who you are and that is a scary place to be like i i find comfort with who i am that's one of the reasons why i left christianity is because my identity is not god my identity is who i fucking am and the deeper i go into me the more secure the more hope the more strength the more everything i have and that's what's been really liberating for myself. I think a lot of people are not, not afraid to go that deep down into themselves to see who they actually are. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it says something, too, about just what's happening in the broader society right now. Because mm-hmm. I feel like just the transphobic rhetoric has just gotten out of control. And, and specifically transphobic mm-hmm. re- rhetoric. Because I think yeah. there's a lot of you know queer phobia, but I think specifically trans. And as I've talked to my other trans friends as well. Um, but well, I'm also looking at our, oh, go ahead. Well, I was Portland. just like in that regard, like, cause I, cause I think it again ties back to the broader kind of open-minded community as well. I saw a video from, and I was looking it up as Will was talking there, um, at that last point, I think the content creator, he goes by like dope dad or dope dad content, something. He's got a hundred thousand something followers on TikTok. You'll be able to find him. But he stitched with a video and it was like Bill Maher and I think Candace Owens and then just like talking about this like very kind of fear mongering like, oh my gosh, I was at a dinner party and there was like seven parents and they were all talking about their trans kids and everyone's going to turn trans. And and he just made this response. He was like, so what? Like, what if? What What would the world look like if everyone was trans? The world would continue like everything yeah. there's nothing actually scary that would happen if like when mm-hmm. they're like oh my god what would the world be like he's like it would just be the world it would be fine it's actually not scary <laughs> and right. so it's it's wild to think about like what this fear-mongering like is doing because it's trying to make you afraid of something that's like well what if everybody you know is trans how scary it, could that actually be yeah. I, th- I think it reinforces the idea of how much uh, stereotypical social stru- constructs are ingrained into our society. I mean, it gives us like it, on on a on an unimaginable level. There are so many made up, literally imaginary social constructs that we have in our society that that you know gives order and things like that, and, and people find so much security in that, which which I can appreciate. Um, you know, I love the fact that everyone knows when a light's green, you go, and when it's red, you stop, okay? Like, that is technically a social contract. It's also a law, but, you know, whatever. 
And I think people get that sort of black and white, or in this case, green and red thinking mixed up with, you know, gender, sexuality, and all that fun stuff. Like they, they can't break that black and white thinking into nuanced thinking. And whether it be due to, you know, a uh, cis heteronormative white evangelical Christian normativity, whatever the fuck you want to call it, I don't really care. It's, they're all very much interlinked with each other. Um, yeah. You know, we need to start deconstructing that. And, you know, I don't think people are becoming trans. I think people are just becoming more authentically themselves. Yes. Um, when yes. I came, when I, yeah, when I came out at work, it was, it was great. Like I was, I just started wearing eyeliner, like on my first day back from that conference and I was scared to death. And I, I realized two things. One, there were so many people who didn't even fucking notice. Like, like most guys are completely close about makeup. It's hilarious. Like, and, and this is how few people actually like look you in the eye when you're walking by them in the hallway. I work with a lot of people. So very few people. Uh, acknowledge it. Even my own manager, like, he sat down my cube, he was talking to me, like, five minutes later, like, are you wearing eyeliner? I'm like, yep. <laughs> it was cool. He, he's super supportive of it. It's, it's been a great experience, actually, because I was actually really nervous, but uh, man, he, him and my manager and his manager are, are, are all really great. But the other thing I noticed was that, just, again, like, even when they realized I was wearing eyeliner and stuff, I'm like, again, most people don't care. Like, are you doing your job? Cool. Great. Dress however hell you want. Yeah. Just, make, just make sure you get those files recorded on time. Like, yeah. And that's, that's, the, that's, yeah. that's yeah. The scary that's thing want. isn't actually scary. There isn't anything yeah. to actually be scared of. And mm-hmm. by you presenting in a way that's, you know, non-conforming, I think it does help people start to go. Some people will just shut down, unfollow, mm-hmm. cut it out. But then a lot of people are going to go, oh, actually, oh, that's not scary. <laughs> Like this mm-hmm. isn't this yeah. isn't actually yeah. something to be scared of. Yeah, like I, I wear a kilt most days to work now. Uh, you know, I wear makeup, and I'll, every now and then I'll get like a, a look from someone like, "Oh, wow, that's not something you see every day." I should expect that, but it was nowhere near as many as people as I thought it was. And there's been a lot of people like, "Oh, I really like that kilt. Oh, I really like your nails. Oh, I really like your makeup." Like it's it's been more positivity than good. And this is in a fairly conservative blue collar, uh, not blue collar, but you know office you know environment that is uber professional like so it's it's been really really great uh but but to your uh to one of your statements that you said Cortland was uh you know parents are afraid of their kids becoming trans uh, i made a joke uh, to to someone who i knew who i could say it to because you can't say it to everyone uh but one of the ladies i work with she's you know fairly progressive and she she knows from makeup too she's like are you wearing makeup? I'm like, yeah, I, I came out as on binary uh, this past week. She's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, I went to that conference and uh, it turned me gay. <laughs> she, she was, she's like, are you sure that's how that works? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Are you sure that's how it works? <laughs> it worked for me. But, you know? We got a good laugh out. We got a good laugh out of it. But it's, but, oh, but it's, wow. it's kind of like, kind of like a, like, like a tongue in cheek statement. Like, hey, if you go to these, things are going to turn you gay or turn you queer trans whatever it's like Mm -hmm. it's complete bullshit yeah but it does open your eyes up to you know who you may be i don't know i mean you were on the podcast and now you came out as non-binary megan was a guest on the podcast and now she's bisexual so i mean it could be the there after podcast (laughs) podcast that is making people gay (laughs) it 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 very well could be and i would be so so happy to be to be such a Uh, thing yeah um I do want, before we wrap, because I know we're getting close to time, but I do want to um, ask you about, you You mentioned a little bit about sexu- secular spirituality and, mm-hmm. and kind of moving away from, you said humanism. I, know, and, I feel like we got to do a whole episode on witchcraft I know, now. like witchcraft. Yeah. And so if, if you could kind of talk a little bit about where you're at with spirituality now, um, because I think that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we can definitely handle a good chunk of time for this. Um, yeah, so... So for me, secular spirituality is a little bit of a contradiction, uh, depending upon how one defines spirituality. For me, it is a experiencing higher levels of consciousness. And a lot of times there's tradition involved in there too. 
so Sam Harris is he again, he's a really good example of someone who practices secular spirituality. He's kinda like a meditation guru. Um again, I, I can't I can't say it's been helping out his logic the last year or so. Um, but, uh, nevertheless, uh, his, his methods and his podcast and his, um, uh, his app has been super helpful for me personally. So trying to segment, you know, what he does in practice versus what he says on his podcast sometimes has been helpful for me. Um, and so a lot of that was done through secular Buddhism. So basically taking all the philosophical meditation practices of Buddhism and applying it to, uh, my everyday life, mindfulness, and all that fun stuff. It's been super helpful, has helped my anxiety, um, helped my depression, just helped me out altogether. Then, uh, so we started getting into witchcraft. And it was kind of interesting because um, I got into tarot too, because one of my uh, coworkers, she practices tarot. I thought it was, eh, it's kind of bullshit, but you know, she told me that it's all about, for her, it's all about intention, and it gives her a different perspective on life. Like, so if you have a question, like, typically we have one way of thinking, and that's how we handle that question and ask how we solve that problem. With tarot, you know, you can get, you know, any assortment of cards, and it's open up to interpretation, but it kind of forces you to have a different perspective on things. And so for me, it's kind of like, like a more focused meditation. So with meditation, I'm being still i'm trying to clear my mind i'm trying to focus on my breath and i am just trying to have as few thoughts as possible and then whatever a thought does come up i separate myself from that thought realizing that thought is not me it is just literally something my brain has thought up and i analyze it from you know this third person perspective within my person yeah that was fun <laughs> with tarot it's kind of a similar thing whereas you know, I have this question, but now the cards are randomly drawing up these different perspectives that I can have, uh, typically from past, present, and future, if you do a, a stereotypical three-card draw. And it kind of gives you an opportunity to meditate on those things. Like, this is something you may want to consider. It's not that it's telling you the future, in my opinion. Some people do believe that. I think that's faulty for various reasons. But there is also some interesting synchronicity that can happen. And when that happens... For me, I like to pay attention to that. Um, not that I think it's the universe trying to communicate to me or anything like that, but at the exact same time, that is exactly what is happening because I'm also, um, uh, oh shoot, I, I can't think of the word, it starts with a D. Uh, the opposite of, of, or basically it has to do with no free will. Uh, but essentially the uh, everything that has begun since the Big Bang or whatever we want to call it, or before that, Things are now set in motion, and those cards fell down for a very specific reason. And maybe it's because atoms are colliding in different ways, and our thoughts are doing different things. It gets into a whole lot of crazy psychological, you know, sometimes it's bullshit, sometimes it's very interesting. Sometimes it's all like, okay, this is fascinating, and I want to take a pause here. But that's that non-literalist thinking that I was talking about earlier that I've kind of embraced. Like, hey, this may in fact be bullshit. I know for a fact that when I'm drawing these cards, I'm not reading the future of my life. I am, however, taking in this information, processing with my mind, and whatever I process with my mind and project out with my thoughts will change my reality. And that's when I realized that uh, there's a type of witchcraft called chaos magic. And that's essentially it. So I call myself a chaos witch. Not necessarily because I've tapped into chaos witchcraft or I, I find myself to be a practitioner of it, but because I've been fucking doing it for the last two or three years already, and I didn't even know I was doing it. And when I realized that, and I, I started practicing a few more things, I, I don't want to say that like I can like put people to a trance or whatever because that's not what I'm talking about. But and I, I think there's a lot of things like with the uh, this, the book, the secret. That's bullshit. Don't do that. Uh, but there are definitely there are definitely things where you know, positive thinking or negative thinking will affect your life. And yeah. just like how, like I tell my wife all the time, like the most attractive thing about my wife is her confidence. And when she's exuberant confidence, like she is a completely different person. And when we resonate that confidence, for example, other people will see that. They may not see it consciously, but they're, they're still reacting to it. And the way, I think, way we think and the way we react with reality 
will ultimately affect our reality. And if you pay attention enough and if you're mindful enough, you can actually manipulate it to, you know, ways that benefit you, even if it's just a placebo effect that makes you feel better. Okay? Even if it's just a placebo effect that's just making you feel better, I'm still feeling better. Yeah. So there's some psycho spirituality for you. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so there are some little skeptical atheists, whatever. If you don't like that, I'm sorry. Not really, but <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I'm here for it. I love well, it. And I have yet to do a tarot reading. I'm very curious. Um, maybe someday we can, we can make this happen sometime, but um, yeah, that, that is something oh. that intrigues me. Oh, 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 I'll be right, I'll be right back. What is this? Ask me, shall receive. Wait, is this happening right now? This is absolutely happening right now. I'm still very much. I love it. Yes. I'm still still very much a beginner, so I apologize if I might have to cheat and look at the book a little bit. No, this is so great. I'm so here for this. Now, now I had to ask: Do you actually want to do this or no? I, I absolutely yes. I for the <laughs> consent question. Um, I absolutely would, but I, I don't know how it works. Do I have to come up with something that I'm trying to question. analyze? So the more specific a question, the better the results. You can also just ask for general guidance. Um, is Cortland going to murder you tomorrow? Well, I don't know. This <laughs> not with the prices I've been looking to get out to Portland. It's expensive <laughs> to get out there. <laughs> Look at it or for our meetup soon, man. Portland flights are not uh, not cheap. So, I, don't, I don't know why yeah, Cortland, yeah. Cortland uh, murdering you came to my mind. That's that's probably something <laughs> not great in my mind that I need to work on. Yeah, it's no, this threatening I, okay. eye appearance. I look like a, a <laughs> villain from a Bond movie with my eye all swollen up. So yeah, so I'm, I'm shuffling the, the deck right now. So okay, I'm here for this. So yeah. if we were not recording, I'd probably have a different question. <laughs> But okay. Since we're since we're airing this, I, I can I ask a question? Can I say something like because we were talking about the meetup? Yeah. Like, can I say something about that event? Like, is that yeah. going to be a successful event? Will the will the meetup be a successful event? Can you tell me a little more about the event too? By the way, the more I know about, it, the better because yeah, I'm totally going to be I'm reading you. You don't have a ticket booked to come attend. You, you got to be there, Will. We we want you yeah. there. Uh, we're having reading. an event called Content Warning in February, uh, President's Day weekend, and it's kind of, uh, you know, moving forward the conversation about sex and sexuality, and okay. we have about 20 collaborators. Um, you can check out our website, contentwarningevent.com, um, but we just opened the registration, and people are starting to register, and I'm super pumped. Um, we, we got our venues narrowed down. Um, and so I'm so excited about that, but I, um, I just, I, I have a lot of heart in this and a lot mm-hmm. of investment in it. And so oh. thinking through like, what, will it be successful? Because a will piece be of this is I wanting to build community and, and have people yeah. connect with each other. So, yeah. Cool. So not only do you want to be successful, but you also know what success looks like. So that's, that's really yeah. good. All right. I'm going to do a basic three card spread. Okay. okay. Oh, the first card is the emperor. Okay, I'm showing you the card right here. Okay. The Emperor. It's a major arcana card. That's a good card. All right, we also have the Ten of Air, which I love because it looks like a snitch. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Snitch from the uh, Harry Potter, of course. The Harry Potter, yeah. All right, and we have the Page of Air. Okay. All right, so the Emperor is a great sign from the very beginning, okay? So... The Emperor is actually all about success. He's very powerful, very a lot of very, very masculine energy. Uh, he's kind of like moving forward, say, hey, we're going to do this, and it's going to rock. It's, it's going to be fantastic. This is like your base card, okay? So that's a good foundation to have. So a lot of times it's considered to be like the past. It can also be like considered like the foundation card for the next good cards. All right, Ten of Air. I am less understanding about the uh, minor arcana cards, which this is. Uh, so for those who are con- kind of confused, uh, so typically tarot cards have wands, cups, swords, and pentacles. Uh, I am using a sorceress deck, which uses the elements instead. So it's a little bit different, but they they relate the same way. All right, so Tenever actually has to do with uh, feeling sick and tired, failure, or a final hurdle before reaching a higher level in your life. So it's not necessarily the best card in the world. 
So this this tells you that the emperor card is saying, hey, you got this. You're going to be good. You have a good solid foundation. But the ten are saying, hey, there's not going to be challenges. Okay, pretty stereotypical, you know, lingo. Hey, you're going to do great, but there's also going to be challenges. Super vague, not terribly helpful. But this was definitely talk about being sick. He said you had a lot of heart and soul going on to this. So this tells me that hey, you might have a lot of anxiety. There's going to be some things. I, I'm guessing you're a little bit of a, of a perfectionist, Megan. And I, <laughs> you I, I also correct. don't know. I honestly don't yeah. know if she is or not. Okay. But this is time to tell me you might want to relax your face a little bit. Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> they say that a lot in yoga. Relax your face. <laughs> yes. Okay. And uh, so it's going to be okay. Don't stress yourself out or else you're going to get sick. You need to take care of yourself is what this card is telling me to tell you. All right. And then you also have the page of errors. So the page of errors kind of like the, it's actually the next card over. And the page of air is about innovative ideas and intellectual curiosity. Okay. Mm. So I think what that is saying, again, I don't know. And this is something for you and, and Corin to, to kind of discuss is there is a lot of opportunity for you guys to go deep into this conversation that you're going to be having about sex and sexuality. Okay. Don't be afraid to get a little bit heady. All right. Get, get into the, the, the deeper the media yourself. Like the people who are going to this thing, uh, they know the basics. They know the very premise of why they're going to this event. Don't be afraid for yourself to go up there and say, Hey, we're going to get some deep, pretty deep in this stuff. Uh, share the facts, share the data. Okay. Give them the intellectual side of this because as much as I love my, uh, more metaphorical thinking, I'm, I am still facts driven. Okay. I, am, I was facts-driven this entire time going through this entire transition. Transition. People are wanting the facts. They want to know what is true. Uh, so really encourage your speakers and yourself to, hey, present the facts. It's going to be okay. Take care of yourself, Megan, because we do not want you to get sick. <laughs> All right, don't stress yourself out. Because when you get negative cards like, like the Ten of Air uh, that talk about being sick, it's, I kind of look at it as a warning. Like, this is something for you to look out, out for. It's not saying this is going to happen. Just like for the positive cards, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but keep an eye out for this and try to cultivate that good thing. Or if it's a negative thing, try to take care of yourself to make sure to not do that. Because a lot of these things are self-fulfilling. So if I know I'm about to go do something that's very strenuous, um, I'm not going to do like a bunch of stupid shit that's going to make me feel worse. Okay, So if you know you're prone to perfectionism, you might want to take some steps to say, hey, Things are not going to go 100% the way I want to. I'm going to let Cortland take care of this. He's going to do a wonderful job with his reveling in chaos, and it's going to be great. And I'm going to take care of the intellectual things, and it's going to be beautiful. Awesome. That was amazing. I love that. Thank yeah. you. You're very yeah, welcome. That was, that was cool. Fun. That was cool. Yeah, so what a great I have no idea. I have no idea if any of that's actually going to happen or true, but there you go. Well, you know what you should do, Will, is – Come to the event in February. Yeah, so, and then you'll be able to see what happens. Come out to Portland. Yep. <laughs> I love what this day in February. Wait, 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 wait. President's Day's weekend. It's February 17th and 18th. My or, birthday's yes. on the 19th, so maybe I can convince someone to take me out to Portland for my birthday. That would there be awesome. That would yep. be awesome. We would love that. Well, it also depends if she can get vacation or not, because her vacation's pretty tight. Yeah. Yeah. No, that'd be great, though. I'd love to. Well, we have reached the end here. Uh, Will, I know you've said the name of your Instagram a few times, but if you'll go ahead and plug where people can follow and connect with you, Mm -hmm. um, we'll put it in the show notes, of course, uh, in the episode when we put it out. Yeah, if you want to follow me, uh, see more of my personal life and see how I am losing literally thousands of followers each month, (laughs) uh, go to (laughs) heretical underscore theology and uh, see why. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your return visit to the show. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This is great. Yeah, it was so good to have you back. Can't wait till the next Thanks, time. Sir. Oh, there'll be a next time. All righty. All right. Right, that was amazing. I I love I I just love them, and I'm so grateful that uh, they got to come back on the on the podcast. Return guests are especially special for me because 
it's cool to be doing this long enough and then catching up with people in different stages of life. And that's just super special and fun. Okay, but can I share a really brief memory? Yeah. So I don't know if this was like this for you or, you know, we all have like, we'll talk about COVID and like have memories from that time of, okay, this is when I knew it was getting really serious and this is when things started to shut down. Do you remember when you got your first vaccination shot? Do you have like a pretty vivid memory of that? So the reason I'm bringing that up is because I was waiting at the fair the county fairgrounds in a really long line of cars for that vaccination because I was a teacher and so they were there I was like in a round of people that got called that you could go and I was in a clubhouse room with Will and a couple other people just chatting and waiting and I remember because Will was like what do you think Megan and I I was like oh my gosh I have to get out of the car right now and get my COVID shot and I'm so excited I came back I was like a little bit teary and then we continued the conversation but I just um when I was when I was thinking about him being a guest or them being a guest on our show um I was just remembering that and and remembering how much fun we had in those clubhouse days. Yeah, and we'll use this he they pronoun, so we're all we're all good with the he and the they. We like to mix it up oh, yes. with 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 those. Um, yeah, uh, Megan, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Also, let's just reiterate where people can find the event uh, here at the end of the episode, and then I'll give my socials as well. So, Megan, where can people follow and find you around the web? All right. Yeah. You can find me at The Pursuing Life on Twitter, Instagram, threads, all the places. And of course, check out the event, contentwarningevent.com. I promise you it's not spam. Some people, it's, the, the title of the website, I think some, I sent it some, to some people and they're like, are you spamming me? Um, and Cortland, tell us where people can find you and the podcast. Yeah. So I'm at Cortland Coffee all around the web, primarily on Instagram these days, a little bit on threads. Uh, I hop over to the old uh, Twitter sphere every now and again. Um, as well as the podcast, uh, Thereafter Podcast on Instagram and Threads, Thereafter Pod on Twitter, and uh, thereafterpod.com for links to all of the places to subscribe. Patreon.com slash thereafterpod. If you want to join the Patreon, you can get in our Discord community, and uh, we would love to have you a part of that. Uh, and uh, yeah, th- those are all the things. We hope you enjoyed the episode today. And uh, sorry we didn't have more intro outro for you, but we'll we'll be back with more Megan and I uh, hanging out, I'm sure, in the very near future. All right. Until next time. Until then. <laughs>